Good morning, everyone. I'm very excited to be here with you this morning and to share with you some of my experiences around Memorial Day and around war. Are we, do we have any veterans out there? Anyone that? Okay, there you go. Okay. Um, and so every, I'm a veteran, obviously, and I served um, I, as an Army nurse in Vietnam. But the other thing, so Memorial Day comes around and it's a special time and of, of remembering the high cost of war. But I feel like this year there was something a little different, not something a little different, but we've got Ukraine. You know, we've got these visions, these TV, it's every night. I don't know about all of you, I can't even turn the TV on. And I, but I think about the people and their experience of war and how do you heal from that war experience. So what I thought I'd share with you, anyway, my experience from experiencing war and how I healed from, from war. What was that journey like for healing for me? Having been at war and then experiencing a PTSD following war and finding unity. So I've reflected back to look and see how did unity, not that I like set out on purpose to have unity help me heal, but I'm, when I look back on it, it has helped me heal. So I thought I'd try and share some of that with you. And you're starting to look at my pictures. So these are just gonna sort of go along, um, but you'll kind of get a taste of, of what it was like to serve in Vietnam. So, I witnessed war a long time ago, long time ago. I was 22 years old, and I, uh, I was an army nurse. But prior to that, 1968, and um, that was the height of the Vietnam War, I was in nursing school in Boston at Mass General Hospital. And I was coming home to Cohasset, Massachusetts, a small town south of Boston. And I was coming home every six months to a funeral for one of my friends that, that, that had to go to war. Because in those days, right, guys got drafted. They didn't have a choice. And um, so I was coming home for these funerals. And I remember standing there at the cemetery at one of these funerals for my friend, Alan Keating, and saying to my friend, Craig, who's standing next to me, I can't keep doing this just coming home to these funerals. I've got to do something. So I went back to Boston and found an army recruiter, and you know he was happy, and volunteered to go into the army. And um, I knew then when I raised my hand that the army owned me, owned me for the next three years. I had one more year of nursing school, and then I had two years in the army. Um, and my thinking was, what could be more meaningful to my purpose, to my life there than to take care of these fellows, these friends that had to go to war? Um, I wasn't in favor of war. It didn't mean I supported the war, but it meant that I felt that it was my purpose at that time. You know, what could be of more purpose than that? I, I knew how to, I was, I was a nurse, I knew how to do nursing, so why not go and take care of these wounded soldiers? So, 
1970, as a brand new nurse, an army nurse, uniform, the whole thing, saluting, you know, you get a basic training, you learn all that stuff. I was first assigned to Walter Reed and worked there for 10 months, caring for these wounded back from Vietnam. Just a few days, you know, that they'd be medevac back to, to Walter Reed. And then, 10 months later, anyway, the Army thought I had enough experience, okay, all of 10 months. Um, they ordered me to go to Vietnam. So um, I was sent to uh, Da Nang at the 95th Evacuation Hospital, which was um, up in the northern part of South Vietnam, close to Laos in the DMZ or North Vietnam. When I went to Vietnam, I was a practicing Catholic. I went to Mass every Sunday. And at the 95th Avac Hospital, I chose not to go to Mass, even though we did have a chaplain and, uh, who, and we did have Sunday Mass. I remember at that time having such conflict with my spiritual um, beliefs. How could a loving God allow for these atrocities? Men killing men, boys killing boys. So I chose to deal with this conflict, this spiritual conflict that I had by not going to Mass. Instead, on Sundays, if I wasn't working, I would go to China Beach. Now, maybe you've heard of China Beach, the show. <clears throat> anyway, well, that was based on, we, there actually was a real China Beach in Da Nang. It was a beautiful beach. It was just, and, and that brought me some comfort because I grew up in the ocean in Cohasset. And we you know, went to the beach so I could find some kind of comfort when I was there. What did I do for my work at 22 years old? You know, I worked in what we called there pre-op and receiving. So it's the emergency room, basically. Um, we would receive the wounded from the helicopters. And um, so this was the first war we were talking that we could receive wounded via helicopters. I mean, so we were getting them fresh wounded. Um, and all of the uh, wounded came in via helicopter. They, they didn't get driven in or in an ambulance or anything. They all came in on a helicopter. Um, so anyway, that's what I did. I took care of these guys in pre-up and receiving and we took care of not only the American uh, soldiers, but we had Vietnamese civilians. About half of our patients were civilians, children. And um, it, 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 I asked this question, how does a 22-year-old girl from Massachusetts tell a 19-year-old soldier that he doesn't have a foot anymore? You know, I didn't get trained as a nurse to do that. Doctors did those things. But in Vietnam, I, had, I did that. And, um, and then I, the head wounds, the expectant patients, when we called, I would call in the neuro, neurosurgeon and he would assess and he would say, no, we can't do anything for this one. So it was up to me to, and I would take him in the back and put a barrier up there and I would sit with him and hold his hand until he died. Um, so I did this work for almost a year, and you can see there's our call board there of all our surgeons. I mean, I could go on and on about what this was like, but just to give you a flavor of, of what I did over there and how do you recover from that, 
So I did this work for almost a year in, in, in uh, Vietnam. And I returned to the United States with no parades, no fanfare. And I actually was discharged from the Army the day I um, landed in, back in the United States. So what was it like coming back from Vietnam? Unbeknownst to me at that time, I had classic post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. In those days, there was no such thing as PTSD. They hadn't come up with the diagnosis yet. Um, and when it was described, when it was finally described, it was said it was only for soldiers. Nurses don't have PTSD. Why would nurses? It's soldiers. And that's how I dealt with it for several years. But looking back on it now, I had classic PTSD. I had trouble sleeping. I slept every other night. In the night I slept, I would have nightmares that I was back in Vietnam again, taking care of the wounded. I had um, hypervigilance, any loud noise or something. I'd be down on the floor. And then I would be just ruminating all of this, reliving, caring for the wounded, young boys, with some of them dying in my arms. And then the Vietnamese civilians, babies and children coming in with frag wounds and holding them in my arms. And how do you bury, how do you, how do you have a body bag for a little tiny baby? Um, so, I was ruminating, I was reliving this. Afterwards, I was depressed, I wasn't eating, I was isolating, I had trouble with relationships. So these are all classic symptoms now, I learned, you know, 20 years later, of PTSD. But I went on with my life and tried to put Vietnam behind me. That's what we were told. Put one foot in front of the other, put it behind you, and go on with your life. That's what healthy people did. That's what healthy soldiers did. That's what, what, what we were supposed to do. I was numb. I worked very hard and was functional. But I was emotionally numb. Instead of an alcoholic, which a lot of soldiers and nurses became alcoholics after that Vietnam experience, I became a workaholic, unbeknownst to me. I was very driven. I finished college, I got another degree, I went to anesthesia school, then I went on for my PhD, doing all that while I was working and with the help of the GI Bill. But around 1978, I found unity and the spiritual teachings of unity. Um, I was a member of Unity of D.C. for about 10 years, then Unity of Fairfax for 10 years, and then I came over here to Gaithersburg when we started that, the SEE program. It was called CEP then, with Ann and Alan. And um, I, 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 I just, Unity, it was like, wow. It was just like coming home. I remember going to Unity Village for retreats, and it was like coming home first time I went to the village, to a home I never had. I mean, I just felt this warmth, this comfort, this love. Uh, I read the Daily Word each morning to start my day with that positive, loving thoughts that I found in these readings. One reading that is still on my refrigerator from the Bible was a letter to, in James from James. 
count it all joy, even those trials and tribulations, for they increase me in my steadfastness. Count it all joy. And I could, I could, I could get that. I could take now Vietnam as something that was, was, was positive. The saying gave me a way to look at my Vietnam experience that I came back home now with new skills and common sense to go on with my education to become a nurse anesthetist and a basic scientist. I started taking Unity courses out at the, out at the Unity Village and then here at Unity of Gaithersburg. <laughs> I took these courses sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, over and over and over again. And you've heard me say, people ask me, well, how long does it take to become a licensed Unity teacher? <laughs> you've heard this, Brad, right? So I have to say, 22 years. <laughs> uh, that's how long it took me. But I wasn't, I wasn't taking them to become a licensed Unity teacher. I wasn't taking them to become a minister. I was taking them because they helped me heal. You know, I would come here and spend that week with like-minded people, but and learn the principles and the, the metaphysics and the, it was all about working on me, inside of me, unbeknownst to me. I don't think I even realized while I was doing it. All I know, no matter what I was doing with my work, I put aside that week in June. And it was, you know, some people take vacation for our bodies, maybe, and our mind or whatever. I knew this was my gift to my spirit to my spiritual growth was that week. And no matter what was going on, I was here for that week. Um, and I think, again, it was part of my healing work. Fillmore, Myrtle Fillmore's he courses on healing. Remember, that's what unity's all about. Myrtle founded, uh, founded unity based on, remember, she had TB. They told her she was going to be dead in six months. So what did she do? She went and prayed for several hours, and then she got better. And her friends noticed, oh, she, you're better. What did you do? And she said, I prayed. So she started a Tuesday night prayer group. And that's how Unity started. It was, it's, it's based on healing. Um, then the Bible courses and the metaphysical courses with Paul, of course, Hasselbeck, I would take these courses over and over again. I just, finding new meaning each time I took them, it was never redundant. There was never a feeling of redundancy like, you know, we've all taken courses and things in college or whatever, you know, and they can be boring because you've had this stuff before. I never got that feeling with this because I was always at a different point when I was um, doing these interpretations and going within of where, where I was at the time. Um, and, and what happened was, I, would, I, I think it was when Roger was here, he was teaching a Bible course and he had a stroke, and I ended up teaching them, and I'm like, I had to teach this course. By then I had just finished up my LUT, and Roger had a stroke, and anyway, I, I thought I was helping him teach it, but I realized after the first class, I'm going to have to teach this. 
And that's how I started teaching the Bible courses. But I also started traveling to Egypt and Jordan and Israel. And it just all came together for me, that I just got this tremendous interest in, in doing this work. So now I'm teaching, as you know, these courses and doing the SEE program. I remember at one point there was somebody that wanted to do away with our SEE program. And that's when I stepped up to the plate and said, I'll take you and do it because I am not going to let this SEE program go. And then I ended up teaching the courses. Um, so this year I'm teaching the Christ. Uh, it's a message of the Christ within each and every one of us and how that message is brought through the Bible, the New Testament. But what I've really found exciting, I'm not only looking at the Old and New Testament, but I'm looking at Gospels outside of the Testament. I'm looking at the Gospel of, of uh, Thomas and the Gospel of Mary. And these were um, findings that we found like in the Dead Sea Scrolls and these Nagamani readings. So it's very exciting to, to read, to, to, to interpret or to read these things that were written 2,000 years ago and not reinterpreted like the New Testament over the last 2,000 years. So we're really looking at the teachings of Jesus. So anyway, and also as I said, I love the week that I have here, that I'm away from that hustle bustle of work, you know, that when I was working and that, you know, all of that, and to be here on campus with like-minded people. And, and just kind of getting to know them and people that are also on a spiritual path like you all. That's why we're here Sunday morning, right? To on our spiritual path. And I feel like these courses take me one step further than that. I'm really much more delving into it. So looking back on my life now, I realize this was part of my spiritual and emotional healing. So I started moving, because what happened was I realized I started moving from victim to realizing I am responsible for this life, that I am manifesting. These are unity teachings, aren't they? Beginning with the five basic principles of unity. It gave me permission to listen to that voice inside of me, telling me to love myself and to make a difference in my life. The third unity principle, we are co-creators with God, creating a reality through our thoughts held in mind, that through positive affirmations, I can determine that reality of my life. I move more from, I can see myself where I move from this victim to creator of my reality. But changing my thinking was a lot of hard work. And again, taking these classes helped me so much. And, um, classes on prayer and meditation. Meditation was brand new to me, and it took me many years to actually develop a daily meditation practice. Then in 1991, the PTSD came back again with a vengeance for me with the invasion of Iraq. I could not believe that we would do that again, that we would kill human beings again. I'm being very frank and honest with you, aren't I? But that's how I was thinking. I just, I thought we were done with that. I thought we learned from Vietnam. Not learned, I prayed that we would never get into another war. So, 
At that time, I was married and I had a two-year-old and I fell apart. I was working then as a scientist at FDA and found it hard to do my work. I was numb. I just didn't care. I'd just sit there. I remember just sitting at my desk not believing we were dropping bombs in Iraq. I, I'm, I, I don't know, I'm sounding like a whatever. But that's how I felt. I'm sharing with you how I felt. I had flashbacks. We couldn't have the TV on in my house. I stopped eating, I couldn't sleep, I was depressed and anxious. But now, with the foundation of Unity's teachings, that God is everywhere, the Christ is within me, we manifest our thoughts, prayer brings forth healing, I had the courage and strength to reach out for professional help for myself, knowing that I was worthy of such help and finally willing to get out there and to get out of my denial, that I was experiencing the symptoms of PTSD. 20 years later, you know, you think you're over this. Well, evidently not. And I was finally able to say for the first time, I did experience or am experiencing still PTSD. So I did the work of psychotherapy I actually did psychoanalysis for several years, showing up and facing those haunting memories from Vietnam and even before Vietnam. I learned to love myself and to value myself. I had been traumatized, and I needed to heal these wounds with love and kindness and respect for myself. I did this work within and I experienced a change from within. I experienced healing. Recently, as I mentioned, I've been studying the Gospel of Thomas. Those uh, were found, these readings were actually found at Nag Hammadi in Egypt in 1947. They were hidden, these writings were hidden in jars, in caves along the Nile River, probably by monks, when the Orthodox Church, Orthodox Church said they were to destroy all writings that were not part of the New Testament. The Gospel of Thomas consists of sayings from Jesus. And one saying was, this really was amazing. To, I mean, it's Jesus. This is Jesus teaching this 2,000 years ago. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Wow. That was Jesus. And isn't that what therapy, well, the, for me, I was right. And unity, isn't what we work? We work on that inner self, bringing forth our pain and healing, healing it. So psychotherapy, or bringing forth what is within me, helped me to understand I had been traumatized by the atrocities of war, and I needed to heal. Jesus also said in the Gospel of Thomas, the kingdom is within you, and it is outside of you. When you come to know yourself, then you will be known. But if you will not know yourself, then you will dwell in poverty and it is you who are that poverty. 
Wow, huh? When you know yourself. I did this work and experienced healing. I realized that the Christ within me, the Christ within me, was quite sensitive. And with this realization, the numbness and depression started to go away. I was able to experience joy and love again. Part of my healing process was keeping in touch with friends um, from Vietnam and doing service work now for veterans. I go home still each year um, to march in, to Cohasset, Massachusetts, to march in the Memorial Day Parade with other veterans to remember the high costs of war. That's why I, I do it, to remember, not to celebrate, to remember. That's what Memorial Day is. If we remember the high costs of war, it might keep us out of war. So I ask these questions. How does one heal from war? What have I learned on this journey from war to, P to PTSD and healing? I learned to forgive, to forgive myself and to forgive others. I learned to face the pain within myself and to know that God is everywhere. The omnipresence of God, the oneness of God. God was there in Vietnam and is within myself. There is a oneness, a consciousness that connects us all. So let us now take a few moments in meditation on these words, on healing. We find that stillness within ourselves, relaxing our bodies and stilling our thoughts. We take a deep breath, listening to our breathing, breathing in the presence of the moment. Hear these words that Jesus said again. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. We know that spirit, that light, is within us. And that that spirit, that oneness, is everywhere the omnipresence of God. Feel the comfort of the knowing that God is everywhere, the oneness of us all. There is a calm. There is healing. Feel that light, that love, that comfort, that peace. Hear that still small voice that guides and shows the way. Enter into this time of silence by saying, peace be still, be still, and know that I am God. Experience this peace, this healing in the silence.
Thank you, God, for that healing and comfort that is beyond understanding. Loving and gracious God, thank you for your healing balms. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.